and everything we are recording oh so we do that thing where we say things before the recording starts and then we actually start the recording yeah i didn't quite get as much of it as i wanted but that's fine it's probably best for you know it's everyone fine else. it's fine evan you know what else is fine welcome to episode 46 of the handsome hockey podcast we are here from dark and sinister portland oregon where the leaves have not really started to change yet oh come yet. on they're changing they're they're going it's gray. It's fall. It's nice. I don't know. It was kind of nice out today. Yesterday it was nice and sunny. It was like perfect fall pumpkin patch day. When did the pumpkin patch thing? It's fine, Evan. It was fine. It's fine. We had some lovely apple cider donuts that were better than fine. Cider's quite good. Apple cider donuts are way up there on the pantheon of donuts. And I don't mm -hmm. think people really kind of recognize them for being as amazing as they are just because they're kind of a seasonal donut. So you yeah. And because you have to eat them within five minutes of them being cooked for optimal donut freshness. As every donut should be, really. I think apple cider donuts are like on the opposite side of the fall cuisine of pumpkin beer. Oh, like yeah. Apple cider donuts are incredible and pumpkin beer is garbage. Does that put like pumpkin spice lattes squarely in the middle? I don't, I, I, I'm not able to say anything about pumpkin spice lattes because I've never had one. They're However, fine. Yeah. Um, I, aren't they like kind of like considered a basic bitch drink? Yeah. It, it, but they're also kind of spicy. You know, there's like, well, it's a lot spice, of, a yeah. lot of sugar. It It's good. You know, I'll enjoy maybe like a PSL like once a year and, <laughs> and, and really really enjoy it but uh you know i'll will i put on some uggs and leggings before i do so maybe if not i'd be very disappointed in you and this show would never continue again there are other versions of the like holiday spice latte that you can get like you know, what uh, just from you know other barista places um, um that are pretty good other people's takes on the spice in latte thing on fall mm-hmm well, this has been episode 46 of the Handsome Hockey Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Um, <laughs> the Handsome we, Latte Podcast. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm uh, apparently about to start drinking coffee, and uh, this was fun, so check you later. Uh, You're one of the few people I know that does not drink coffee, and I highly respect that. Uh, I don't know if it's something worth respecting, but it's uh, <laughs> I just don't like it. <laughs> it's not good. Um before we dive into things uh, on the uh, mostly men's side today, we did want to acknowledge that the Premier Hockey Federation released their transgender inclusion policy, I think, two days ago. From what I've read thus far, it seems like a definite step forward, but also has some real issues to it. We wanted to recognize that this is, had come out and is mm -hmm. a big story. However, we're going to cover it way more in depth uh, when we do our PHF preview episode here in a week or two. I'm frankly still kind of digesting, you know, what they wrote and all of the implications and kind of gathering people's opinions on it. For sure. So that's out there. We see it. We know it. Uh, we don't quite understand all of the implications as of right now. So we're going to take a little bit more time to digest it. And then we will have some more on it when, when we do our PHF preview here in a couple of weeks. Also on the serious side, uh, Jimmy Hayes' family has released a toxicology report after his untimely death this summer. Um, and turns out there was cocaine and fentanyl found in his system. From reports from the family, he was dealing very toughly with some injuries and with some pain management issues. And, you know, he unfortunately joins the ranks of current and former hockey players and uh, Americans that have been afflicted by painkiller addiction and its dire consequences. So uh, we, our heart goes out to them as they're dealing with this news and hopefully gaining some closure over the situation. You know, they had a lot of really heartfelt and incredibly, uh, I don't know, well, well-written things to say, well-spoken things to say about 
about this situation. I don't know if you want to dive into that a little bit more. Obviously a very tragic moment in, you know, obviously the Hayes family's life, but also a now all too common American tragedy. You know, Mm -hmm. we prescribe these incredibly powerful drugs to deal with pain management. And then we don't, we as the American like medical association and as Americans in general, don't really check ourselves or have people check on us. And then you see this, this kind of spiral Mm -hmm. and kudos to the Hayes family. Um, Jimmy's father also is named Kevin Hayes. Uh, Kevin Hayes and for the flyers is Kevin Hayes jr. Yeah. I didn't know he was a junior. Uh, Neither did I. Uh, But you know, Kevin came out and said, you know, I hope getting Jimmy's story out there can save someone's life. Mm -hmm. And like, Many things in American culture, we don't talk about things enough. We don't talk about mental health. We don't talk about addiction. We treat those as diseases rather than treating them as, you know, somebody who needs help. We're taught as Americans to kind of keep those things inside. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've, I've been in therapy for almost four years now, and I think it's incredibly important for us to talk about those things. It's a really, it's not you being weak, it's you being strong. And so for, you know, anybody out there listening, if you're struggling with these sort of things, talk to people, talk to your parents, talk to your doctor, talk to uh, anybody in your life that you trust to give you good advice or to just listen to you. Mm -hmm. Because like, we all need to talk more about these things. It's, it's, it's paramount that we come together as a society and be there for one another as opposed to people suffering silently by themselves, you know, in their own heads and in their own houses. We need to just be more open about our troubles so that we can we can work through them together. Well said. There are some people that are struggling uh, slightly alone that we maybe don't agree with, and that would be the final four uh, unvaxxed players in the National Hockey League. Um, according to Gary Bettin, we are down to four. You know, we're 98% there, 99% there. I don't even know what the percentage is represented. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's Tyler Bertuzzi, Josh Archibald, Mackenzie Blackwood, and Zach Ronaldo. Zach Ronaldo, who is, like, kind of an NHL player, but he's <laughs> yeah. he's he's technically on an NHL team. And Josh Archibald, who isn't playing the NHL for the foreseeable future because he has myocarditis as a result of getting covid Slow clap. Yeah, you know, so we hope that all four of these people can figure out different and better decisions to make. But uh, in the meantime, Tyler Bertuzzi is kind of rubbing it in our faces and having huge games here while he can play and not, you know, be shut down by Canada. My first thought was that, man, he is flying around the ice. The 5G in Joe Louis <laughs> Arena must be slow. You know, I've said this multiple times. Tyler Bertuzzi is a hell of a hockey player. I don't exactly know how or mm-hmm. why, but he's a hell of a hockey player. But he, you know, is amongst a group of four people who are making incredibly selfish decisions that are hurting the United States and the world at large. Oh, in, in Josh Archibald's case, themselves. Yeah. Um, Thank goodness for that, right? I think it's hilarious that, you know, it seems like the first defenseman that's really going to be able to stop Tyler Bertuzzi is Justin Trudeau. (laughs) Hopefully he can defend his title as Prime Minister of Canada. I was recently back in Michigan Mm -hmm. visiting the folks, and my wife and I, we went into a grocery store, and it was relatively busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, including us, there were five people in the entire store wearing masks. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so there is a large swath of both America and Canada that don't seem to care. And, you know, fortunately, 99.8% or whatever it is of players in the NHL decided that, you know, they at least cared enough to get a shot so they could get paid. Mm-hmm. And we have, you know, four people who are out there going full Cole Beasley. I'm waiting for Tyler Bertuzzi's wrath <laughs> to come out. You know, or Kyrie Irving. I mean, Cole Beasley, I think at this point, he's like off to the side. Like Kyrie Irving is taking front and center, like athlete who 
very publicly won't get a shot and also thinks the earth is flat, even though they are in a plane more than your average American. Can't see a horizon beyond the clouds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to dive into uh, Kyrie Irving's thing. Uh, I haven't read into it much other than just knowing what the situation is. Yeah, Uh, like ESPN is getting such a leg up from hockey and also just putting Kyrie Irving's Instagram like rants on (laughs) national TV. You know, is that responsible? Mm. I mean, CNN effectively got Donald Trump elected. So this is true. So no, it's not responsible. Actually, I think we've gotten to a point where most rational folks understand that the only way to get out of this is to get vaccinated and to remain safe. Mm -hmm. I'm of the opinion that we're probably going to spend the rest of our lives getting a COVID vaccine Mm -hmm. every year, just like a flu shot. Right. Booster life. Yeah. And that sucks. That really sucks. But it sucks even more when there are people out there who refuse to, you know, suspend their misinformed beliefs for like two seconds just to help the greater good. And, you know, this isn't a this isn't a personal freedoms or personal choice thing. This is a public health crisis. And until we're all kind of moving together, we're not going to get out of it. So yeah, I'll just, I'll leave it at that. (laughs) So like an anti-vaxxer blog, we're going to follow the money. Uh, We have several big (laughs) contract developments and, uh, you know, kind of loose ends that got tied up right at the end of this off season. But like Brady Kachuk signs seven years, 8.2 million, maybe like five minutes before they, took the ice it you know he's still not even practiced and and playing with the team yet but uh signed a big contract longer term than i thought they was going to go for uh, same sounds like melnick called pierre dorian and just said get it done and pierre dorian said okay we'll we'll get it done and he opened up the pocketbooks and made brady kachuk a very rich man and deservedly so for Brady. Uh, you know, it's a bummer that he is now locked in Ottawa for the next seven years. Hopefully the thing about that contract is as the cap goes up mm-hmm. and theoretically Brady becomes a better player, that contract's going to be really nice in a couple of years. Yeah, he could very easily be outplaying that contract and maybe be tradable at that point if you know he wants to get out does he have a no move in it would you would you ask for a no move with with ottawa probably not maybe more of like a please move clause Uh, he has a no movement clause the last three years okay so um that offers him some protection uh Mm -hmm. and case he wants to get traded to or they want to trade him to a team that sucks so you know buffalo will still be bad so um <laughs> league leading buffalo sabers yeah mind yeah. you maybe i shouldn't talk shit i don't know i mean i i'm just gonna enjoy it also signing uh james neal who had a really good preseason he had a ridiculous uh, preseason yeah. he had like he was up there in points of all players yeah. in the preseason uh well he got himself a deal this year it's a I mean, he doesn't need to get paid much because he's Mm-mm. still getting paid uh, by uh, Calgary. But, uh, or is he getting paid by Edmonton? Edmonton? I don't, yeah, somebody's paying him. It might actually be two teams. Yeah. Well, whomever is paying him, he doesn't need a lucrative deal this year. Who so. does James Neal work for? I think the contract was maybe signed by Calgary and then they traded him to Edmonton and didn't retain anything. Yes. Uh, yeah. Edmonton's paying him for the next four years or paying him about two million a year so <laughs> kudos i guess it's not rick dipietro money but <laughs> or rick dipietro length kudos to james neal obviously his time north of the border didn't go very well after he had that great year in vegas he had some like stretches of putting in a whole ton of goals but it was just based on ridiculous shooting percentages and it never really kind of sustained himself but he was like there was a month at the beginning of last season when he was on fire. Yeah, where that Lucic James Neal trade looked like <laughs> just like banana sandwich, great trade, and then all of a sudden it was just not again. Um, I, yeah, he's a he's an older guy now. Um, he's nearing the end of his career. 
he's 34, you know, get yourself a little bit more cash in the bank and then ride off into the sunset. Hopefully he has a good year. Um, yeah. I mean, if he performs the way he's been doing and, and, you know, St. Louis keeps this up, like he could be playing in the playoffs again. We'll see. Um, and then the, uh, Defensive market keeps on getting adjusted and readjusted. Matthias Ekholm signed a four-year, $6.25 million deal in Nat to stay in Nashville. Uh, there was a lot of talk that he was going to get traded last year at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, famously, Nashville decided, no, we're not trading anybody, <laughs> and then got bounced in the first round of the playoffs. Um, Ryan Pulak scored – or scored – uh, he did score himself a contract. He, he scored himself a contract, uh, eight by six point one five, to probably finish his career as an Islander until Lou Lamorello, you know, fires him for growing <laughs> a, a goatee. Uh, those are both very nice values, at least I think on so. paper. You know, uh, the Ekholm contract, especially, he's I think thirty two or thirty one. So that okay. four year deal kind of gets him to thirty five. Defensemen tend to age a little bit better than forwards, mm-hmm. uh, and he's a very solid second pairing, if not you know first pairing defenseman. Uh, he's a very solid second defense, second pairing defenseman. Probably like could fill in on your first pairing in a pinch. Um, the star contract, however, was the one signed by Charlie McAvoy. The Charlie, Charlie, the richest contract in Boston Bruins history, eight by nine point five. Um, he just looked at Seth Jones's contract and says, "I'll have one of those, please," because I am three times as good. <laughs> uh, McAvoy uh, honestly had a pretty stellar year last season and has been a very steady player for uh, a long time now, like four or five years. Um, I think. This is a very deserved contract. It's going to be interesting to see what this means for Pasta moving forward. Mm-hmm. His deal's up in a couple of years, and he's making just under seven, I think. Before this, David Krejci, I think, was the highest paid uh, yeah. Boston and- Bruin. Higher than Bergeron and Marchand and Pasta. Uh, so this resets kind of the expectations for stars in Boston. Yeah, Pasta's probably due a raise in his next contract oh, yeah. whenever that Oh, yeah. that happens so he can buy some more sweet shades between him and Patrick Line. They are <laughs> stylish. Yeah. And don't forget uh, McAvoy's gold chains. Oh, yeah. Now he can have like a fourth or fifth. He He's effectively going to be Mr. T by the end of this season. <laughs> With that, hockey's back. Yeah, we had opening night. Goodness. Uh, I, can I just I'm so glad. It's, it's like, been great. It's like a warm embrace. It's been ice. a great week of hockey. Like, I don't even mind that my fantasy team kind of sucks. <laughs> I'm just thrilled that I have sat down and watched hockey, real, like, live, regular season hockey for five days now. Yeah, my I don't even mind that my nominal fandom team sucks. Uh, I'm just too fixated on it being hockey being back and getting to enjoy all of the random little storylines and and you know we've seen some really awesome games so far we have a new team like i've been you know they're officially real now yeah they they are very real um they started on the road in vegas and vegas apparently does this awesome light show so people were wondering okay you know what are they going to do are they going to have a knight come out and like stab the fish or something or the the uh the kraken and they did have a big scary crack and on the ice and then like a night logo came in like, I don't know, uh, uh, kind of microwaved it like the Chronicles of Riddick uh, walking out into the, the sunlight kills you. For a podcast that hasn't been around more than a year yet, we have multiple Chronicles of Riddick. Uh, <laughs> it's an underrated good fucking movie. Um, yeah, it really cool of vegas to you know to kind of introduce the kraken in that way the the show was really cool Mm -hmm. as only vegas can really do they had tons of kraken fans there you know it was a really well done welcome to the league uh even if you had to start on away ice 
uh, because your stadium is not quite ready yet. <laughs> uh, the Kraken ended up getting their first win as a team over Nashville a couple nights later. Mm-hmm. Uh, kudos to them. They, they've they actually looked really solid. They also uh, had their first uh, fan brawl in the stands of the Nashville stadium. If there's a place to Nashville would be in like my top five places to expect that to happen. So yeah, kudos. like they're really taking this national hockey league thing seriously. I am so appreciative of them. <laughs> uh, uh, we are, as Rob once titled us, the the soy boy Pacific Lib, Northwest Libcuck Libcuck li, uh, podcast. So uh, you know, Seattle is kind of our spirit animal <laughs> in that way, uh, and so uh, it's good to see them getting rowdy uh, elsewhere in the country. Good for them. Also, making notes, the Lightning played on opening night and raised their banner and then got trounced by the Penguins, who scored three empty net goals. Yeah, the Penguins look pretty good and also just beat the pants off of the Lightning at home. And don't have Crosby or Malkin, so that's kind of scary. They're getting scoring from everywhere right now. They have Brian Boyle they brought back. He was out of hockey last year, and... He opened the scoring for them as, you know, gigantic Brian Boyle. It's great to see him back. He's a class act and a guy who you can always see on the ice because he's a head larger than everybody. Uh, Zdeno Chara says, hold my beer. (laughs) That's true. Uh, He's one of the few guys that is the size of Zdeno Chara. But yeah, really cool to see him back in the league and and looks like he's going to have a productive year. Speaking of productive years, uh, Buffalo has been mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. Just kidding. Speaking of productive years, Jack Hughes is going to have one after looking like the second coming of Patrick Kane out the gate. Uh, he's got the puck on a string. He can stick handle through a phone booth. And he did so to ice the Blackhawks in their uh, overtime loss to the Devils. The Devils look pretty good. I know it was just like one episode ago, but I fucking told you so. <laughs> <laughs> I told all y'all. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, I've watched uh, probably only about 15 minutes of Devils games this year. I've just been like flipping through games like a kid in a candy store, like mm-hmm. putting his mouth on every case. <laughs> uh, and so I watched a little bit of the Devils and they're fast, they're young, uh, they're exciting, and they've got two goalies who are good, only one of which can go to Canada. Um, but it's, you have your American goalie and your Canadian goalie. Yeah. No, they're not from those countries. That's where they can play. <laughs> uh, so it, it'll be really cool to uh, see the, watch them going forward. I definitely want to spend some more time watching them play. And um, yeah, Jack Hughes is uh, he just ate the Super Mario mushroom. He's <laughs> he is here. Also, uh, epic celebration after winning in overtime, just chucks his stick over the boards to the fans like that's perfect. It's just, just chef's kiss. Quite a night for the Hugheses. Jack Hughes got his first overtime winner. Luke Hughes, I think, scored his first goal. And Quinn Hughes had an all-time pouty face. <laughs> yeah. Luke Hughes has actually uh, has arrived in Ann Arbor. He's mm-hmm. he's he had a really good weekend this weekend. Um, but yeah, Quinn is he, he's he's sad Quinn Hughes. Um <laughs> Which, Even I mean, though the Canucks, uh, they they won in Philly in overtime, or in a shootout, actually. Yep. Uh, there was an amazing Claude Giroux goal on, I think, they had an extra attacker, and Couturier just, like, banks it off the backboards. Giroux calls for the puck, banked off the boards, and Couturier puts it in the right place, and Giroux one-times it in yeah. to tie the game and send it to overtime that was incredible there was also the goal that banked in off of the boards off of carrie hart her carter hart into the pool yeah yeah he's he, carter hart does not look good he, look, uh, he looked real bad he looks like he's starting out in full carter fart fashion uh in which he ended last year and um gonna be the martin jones show yeah so good luck with that philly so uh, we had a second opening night, second breakfast, if you will. Uh, Ovechkin injured himself on kind of a making a dirty hit in the preseason. Uh, it, his injury, he was up to a game time decision, but he played and uh, became a huge nothing burger. He's flying around like he's five years younger than he actually is and posts a huge first game against what looked like an absolutely witless Rangers team. They look real bad. Yeah. Like, did Tom Wilson single-handedly destroy that roster? A franchise. Now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Adam Fox looks great outside of that. It's um just kind of been poo poo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like uh it looks I think Capo Caco is uh is hurt. <laughs> yep, now he's to IR. I mean he wasn't exactly lighting it up to start, but you know, uh, it, they don't look terrible, but they look like they've lost a lot of scoring talent that they direly need. Yeah, the Pavel Buchnevich loss is going to look real real foolish by the end of the year, I'm going to guess. Right, and replacing him with Sammy Blaze, who you know, gets hits and then takes a bunch of penalties and is also out now? Yeah. Like, that, that didn't go very well. Uh, I will say this, the Rangers did pick up a win the other day. Philip Heedle jumped down the Panarin line and that was starting to kind of jumpstart them. You know, Panarin's had a little bit of a slow start probably by his standards. He's got a couple of assists, no goals. Um, but yeah, the, it, it, the Rangers might be real rough this year. And they were a popular kind of playoff pick for a lot of people. So we shall see. In the uh, Capitals-Rangers game, your first rookie scorer was Hendrix LaPierre, which is such a good hockey name. I think we should call him Jimmy. <laughs> if they don't already. <laughs> I don't. That's like uh, any athlete ever named Campbell being nicknamed yeah. Soup. <laughs> like, you just kind of have to do it. <laughs> Sorry, it says here, your name is Soup now. <laughs> well, I, I learned the other day that uh, Jack Campbell, is his nickname is Soup in toronto because it kind of like came out that he was planning on taking the entire team out for dinner Mm. and his preferred destination was red lobster (laughs) (laughs) and austin matthews said i'm not really i'm not much of a red lobster guy but i'll follow soup anywhere (laughs) (laughs) and then all the midwest girls said i will also follow soup anywhere it's october i want them biscuits (laughs) I've made so much soup the last couple of weeks. It's been great. I feel like the world's immersion blenders have Uh, been getting uh, overworked this week. Canucks played the Oilers opening night number two, and Duncan Keith got absolutely flattened by Tyler Myers. And possibly the only good play he'll make this year. And apparently he said to him, that was for Daniel, which is a reference to uh, a dirty hit Duncan Keith made on Daniel Sedin nine years ago to knock the uh the canucks captain out of that playoff effort and he was suspended for several games and like i got especially screwed because i had both of them in fantasy hockey (laughs) and uh which is what really matters yeah but like that is max pettiness and i'm also sort of here for it daniel sedin has gone into the front office of the canucks now so he's like around so like this maybe is just a very creative way to suck up to your boss he doesn't need to suck up he has a totally untradeable contract he's he's not going anywhere (laughs) yeah and he immediately just looked like super lost defensively like that's the tyler myers show he's a gigantic human he can make some amazing flattening hits and then he can just look like eric gustafson yeah the oilers did their job beat the canucks uh, the Canucks made more dumb roster moves and they get rid of Travis Hamanick, who they just dumped roster money into. Uh, Hoglander is not seeing as much time in the kind of skilled power play position that he should. Yeah, Canucks are going to have a rough year this year, but maybe buoyed by the fact that the rest of the Pacific is going to be so rough. Yeah, they might make the playoffs based off of how shitty their division is. But Thatcher Demko is going to be a busy, busy boy. He's really good. He is very good. He is everything that they've needed him to be. And uh, you can talk a lot of shit about Jim Benning, but maybe that's one thing that he has gotten right, his goaltender. Well, I mean, Markstrom had a rough year up in Calgary last year, but it will probably rebound, I would think, because mm-hmm. um, he's a good goalie, too. But yeah, Demko looks to be super legit. Um, he didn't play against Detroit when uh, Vancouver dropped one to Detroit the other night. Um, that was uh, Yaroslav Halak. Um, it, yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see. I mean, Vancouver is such a crapshoot really yeah they're an absolute wild card of a team i mean i think it's going to kind of go how elias Pettersson's shooting percentage goes like i think that's kind of going to be the main indicator for their season yeah speaking of which welcome back (laughs) (laughs) we missed you last year 
in the Pacific, Ducks up into the Jets four to one, and uh, might be a lot better than a lot of people were saying that, that they were going to be this year. I think it's a sign of things to come that the Ducks kind of overachieved this year, or the Jets might be bad. Yeah, I mean, which do you think it is? I'm not. I'm quite hoping sure. it's the Ducks are good because otherwise, like me talking a bunch of shit about how the Jets are going to be good in our preview episode is going to look <laughs> stupid. Um, but yeah, that was that was a rough night. Uh, you know, Hellebuck is going to have to be. It's looking like Hellebuck is going to have to be a Vesna candidate all year if the Jets are going to be good. But that's the same story for that team for the last Every three, year. four years. It's like they have these handful of incredibly important skill position players that if you lose one of, well, kind of screwed. And uh, speaking of which, Mark <laughs> Shifley is now back after having to serve embarrassingly uh, the last game he was suspended for for his dirty hit in the playoffs uh, on opening night. Yeah, congrats to him for making it back. So thrilled. <laughs> in the meantime, he did some pretty funny advertisements. But uh, yeah, uh, so the Blackhawks have uh, really stumbled out of the gate. They've opened 0-2-1 and one, uh, in three home openers for various teams. Like, that's got to be hard, you know, to, to basically be the homecoming uh, masters, like doing home openers for everybody. We used to do have to do that with my uh, really shitty high school football team. Like we were just booked to do like seven homecomings a year because everyone knew that we were going to get rolled. And so we were like the, the Mac school getting paid a hundred thousand dollars to play the, the much larger schools. But, uh, Colorado dominated the Blackhawks. And I wrote this question before the Blackhawks had, subsequently played two shitty games but like is this the blackhawks being bad or colorado just being really really good and the answer seems to be both um colorado's real shorthanded right now too they've got i think three players out with uh with covid complications and devon taves is hurt so yeah they yeah including nathan mckinnon not being able to play um but they have so much depth like they so good one of those players out with COVID, I don't think he actually has it, so he's looking to return pretty quickly, uh, is Jack Johnson, who no one actually knew was on Colorado until he scored their opening goal against the Blackhawks and then looked like a young Jack Johnson the rest of the game. Like, where did that come from? That was real weird. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll just, I'm going to leave it at that. That was real weird. But he was serving up some banana pancakes all game long. <laughs> and uh, also Darcy Kemper looked very, very good. Like, he... If he can keep this up and be durable, he will be maybe even better than Grubauer was. I think he's a better goalie than Grubauer. He just hasn't been healthy and he's played for a shit team, whereas Mm -hmm. Grubauer has always been on a good team. Uh, We'll see how Grubauer does in Seattle this year. I mean, we'll see how good Seattle is. um, But yeah, I think Darcy Kemper was kind of an upgrade. Yeah, Seattle being one of those other real wild card teams in the West that we just don't quite know yet what to expect from. Um, also in this game between Colorado and the Blackhawks, Bowen Byram got his first NHL goal, which is awesome. Uh, he looks like he's going to really take a step this year and thank God because he's on my fantasy team. Um, but (laughs) someone tweeted out this hilarious story from when he was in juniors. Um, he was, you know, a young guy on the team and then like an old veteran on the team was, I don't know, sort of giving him shit for something. And his chirp was, you know, in three years, you're going to be working nine to five and I'm going to be making nine to five, which is the rookie minimum salary in the NHL (laughs) or rookie max salary in the NHL. And like, that's the perfect chirp. I'm sorry. Like (laughs) it just beautiful. You know, did his agent write him, write that for him or something like he had it written on his hand and pen. Yeah, I know. It's like. (laughs) looking at his hand while he said it. It, but it was like really in three years, I will be working. You'll be working nine to five. And everybody's like, I think that was good in this essay. I will, but he's going to be very, very good. And looks like he's going to be fun to watch this year, uh, especially taking some steps while some of their other defensemen are out or injured. Tormon, we got Tormon. Toronto, Montreal played Tormon. 
played to open the season um, for both teams. Duran scored first in his first game back from a mental health break, which he openly discussed in the media. And it was really, really powerful. Like, you know, what we were getting at earlier, like this is a good example of hockey media kind of stepping into the uh, mental health space and um, just reminded me that I really want a mental health break myself. Uh, that should be built into like any job. <laughs> yeah. Um, I maintain that architecture school should have come with mandatory counseling. Uh, we also saw the NHL launch on two new broadcast platforms on ESPN and TNT, both kind of putting their own spin on, on their coverage you know, ESPN had kind of held on to a couple of their old hockey folks. Uh, they've got Linda Cohn and Bouchagross is kind of the the big holdover from the like ESPN Tonight era. Linda Cohn and Bouchagross are like the ones that really like were around. Uh, I saw a hilarious stat. Um, it's like the players that are still on rosters from the last time that ESPN broadcast games, and it was like. Zdeno Chara. It was Zdeno Chara and butterflies, <laughs> effectively. <laughs> yeah, I think Ovechkin and, and you know, just a, a couple other people. Um, Butchagrass opened their coverage, like, making a joke about, like, he was confused. What is this, uh, like, Colgate versus Cornell? Or, like, <laughs> uh, because, of course, a college hockey joke was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, that's that's his his stick. Uh, ESPN has uh, The Drop, which was pretty funny, live streamed on Twitter. I don't know if they're going to continue to do that or if that was just a one-time thing, but uh, that was um, hosted by Greg Wyshynski. That was pretty funny. You know, they were kind of taking a puck soup sort of tactic to just a, a couch show with two guys. So that was fun. Um, NHL and TNT was kind of a, interesting madhouse don't you think uh i hope that continues too i like i i we've all watched the nbc broadcast for so many years now mm -hmm. and it was stuffy it was tired it was really white um yeah <laughs> and um so for them to have barkley on and do charles barkley things like you know they went out and signed paul bissonette to be like hockey's barkley mm -hmm. Well, we also have Barkley. And so, like, <laughs> yeah, that was a good move. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, but, like he is hilarious in all situations. Uh, so it's it's it was a great ploy by them or a strong a strong move by them. Yeah, and uh, Bissonette, I think, seemed pretty good out the gate. Like he kind of was that you know uh, relief valve of humor, but also he knows his shit about hockey, and so. Uh, he was always good on Coyotes broadcasts. Right. Liam McHugh seems like he's having fun again. Like, I feel very good for him. Thank God for that. <laughs> that dude looked mostly dead the last two years at NBC. Well, you would too if you had to look at... Uh, Mike Babcock. And... Uh, Jeremy Roenick. And... Everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, it was a disaster over there. So... Any sort of um, early takeaways from the overall first week we've had? Uh, I for like the hometown Homer thing, the Red Wings are fun to watch. They're not going to be that good, but they are fun. Yeah, uh, that, Cider looks like he's as advertised. He looks like a prick, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and like at one point, uh, there had been a skirmish. Versus the bolts and um, afterwards Hedman was just kind of skating with the puck back towards the bench and like cider came by and took the puck from him and slashed him on the shins and like Hedman came after him and I was like, I am going to love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think Philly looks awful. <laughs> they look real bad. Um, it's only one game. So obviously that can change. It's only been one game. So anything can happen. But uh that one game was real bad. We've got a long way to go, though. It's kind of hard to take away anything too much after this past week. But, you know, we'll we'll keep following it and see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh looks really good out of the gate. Carolina 
looks about as expected. You know, both have two wins so far. Columbus surprisingly has two wins. Patrick Line drowned, drained a uh, overtime winner the other day, and also while looking like a Bond villain in his walk-up attire to the uh, to the rink. Hopefully, this uh, the, like Patrick Line dressing up in stunner shades from like 1987 is him returning to having fun playing hockey because he was miserable last year. That's the vibe I got. Yeah. And if he's scoring and looking like that. That's peak Patrick Line, and that's exactly what we're rooting for. Go him. Buffalo has two wins out the gate. They are your first place team in the NHL. Yeah, well, uh, technically Pittsburgh is first, but they've played one more game. Yeah. And just have another point. But yeah, uh, Rasmus Dahlin looks good. Looks like he's taken some steps. Like he's had some sweet dangles so far. Um they're tied in the East with Toronto, Tampa, and Florida. I did see that um, Middlestat and Henry Jokaharju are both expected to be out for a little bit of time. So that okay. can maybe put a damper on some things. But yeah, uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, that'll hurt. But uh, hopefully that just gives some of the other kids from that kindergarten some more time to you know learn the game and excel. Yeah, bump uh, Dylan Cousins up a couple of lines and give him a shot. Um, yeah, any sort of joy we can see out of Buffalo this year is a net positive. I'm gonna feel real bad if Buffalo finishes ahead of Chicago. Like that'll be that'll be rough. Like Chicago's playing badly enough that people are gonna get fired. No, no. Remember, Seth Jones is gonna win the Norris this year. <laughs> you said that. It, was I serious though? Holding your feet to the fire. <laughs> Good man. And then uh, Minnesota is your early leader out West. I don't know, kind of as we would expect Edmund in Seattle and up top in the Pacific. Like that's without Kaprizov scoring any goals yet. So he's got a couple assists, but you know, he hasn't, hasn't tallied a goal yet. So, you know, there's obviously room for growth there in Minnesota, but yeah, Kevin Fiala looking really sharp though out the gate. Yeah. You know, again, it's, it's very early. We're like three games in for some teams and one game, one in, game in for, for others. So, We'll, we'll, you know, we'll keep checking back in with the with the rowdiness of the NHL as we move along. But uh, wait, we'll keep watching hockey. What? Oh yeah, <laughs> that's basically all I watch now. We, we keep doing this. How much? How much longer do we have to do this podcast for? Like three, <laughs> four weeks. Um, but yeah, um, you know, hockey has also given us uh, some interesting moments. Um, Dylan Larkin was suspended for one game for punching Matthew Joseph in the face with mm. his glove on. That's uh, some good captaincy right there. Uh, on captain night, uh, <laughs> where there were, I think, nine like? previous Red Wing captains in attendance to like honor him because they couldn't really last year. Oh, I was thinking like spiced rum special. Yeah, well, he scored his goal. Oh, okay. He scored a goal, uh, the opening goal of the season, and then promptly was uh, cross-checked. <laughs> which should have been an illegal cross check. And, you know, the NHL is like, oh, we're going to police cross checks. And then there were two really horrific ones in that game that didn't get called. Yeah, that's maybe um, like the actual bottom of the standings is the NHL's assertion that they were going to police cross checks heavily this year. Like, yeah, there's so many cross checks still going uncalled. A blatant cross check was just called like interference. Like, no, call that the penalty. If you're yeah. going to make that penalty a point of emphasis, just call it. I did read somewhere that the NHL has lost some really veteran referees in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. So they're they're breaking in a lot of new-ish people. Hopefully that's a good thing, especially when it comes to calling penalties in the playoffs. But yeah, the early returns on the cross-checking calls are not good. In other officiating news, the AHL mm -hmm. had their first female referee for a game this year, starting the season. Uh, Katie Gway is this, the newest official for the AHL, the first female ever to referee a game uh, in that league. And, and she's one of the ones that we've talked about previously, uh, the sort of core group of female officials that has been working their way up and more and more into men's professional hockey. So we're super happy to see her make it to the AHL and Hopefully this is just a stepping stone to the NHL. Toronto, due to their salary cap issues and an in injury to Peter Morazic. This is my surprise face. Uh, yeah, we are shocked. Um, 
had to sign University of Toronto goalie Alex Bishop to back up Jack Campbell. Uh, I did see that they have, under the emergency exception, signed Michael Hutchinson okay. to back up for a bit until Peter is back in the in, in the swing of things. But it's awesome to see, you know, a nobody emergency backup goalie. We always love to see that happen. It's one of the kind of cutesy things of the NHL. And uh, this kid got to take warm-ups with the club and then sit in the bench and look cool. Which I would, I would do in a heartbeat. Yeah, right. Yeah. Best seat in the house. Yeah. That please, backup goalie spot. Please don't get hurt starting goaltender. That's like being Peyton Manning's backup quarterback. <laughs> you know Although, you're not doing anything. It Hold really, that clipboard. It really would have been poetic if Toronto had had to put in their backup goaltender and instead of losing to the other team's backup goaltender, use their own to get a win. But, you know, that would... Say lovey, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, that would have been more of a Montreal joke. Also... Uh, you know, we can, we kind of want to end this on a couple of positive notes, one of which is the New Jersey Devils have last year started their Devils by Black program, mm-hmm. which is uh, focusing on lifting Black-owned businesses in their community. Um, this year, they're taking it a step further, and I think this is super cool. Obviously, helmet decals or helmet advertisements are here to stay. The Devils helmet advertiser is Prudential. However, Prudential for 13 home games this year is going to allow the Devils to put the logo of a local black-owned business on the helmet. Damn. That equates to $440,000 worth of advertising that that Prudential is just kind of giving away. That's pretty um, cool. Which is awesome. It's great that the Devils are doing this. It's supposed to debut sometime in late November will be the first one. Okay. They're going to do it throughout the season. The NHL obviously has a rough history of, uh, and hockey in general, mm-hmm. of not showing support for communities of color or not being interactive with communities of color. Mm-hmm. The Devils doing this is really awesome. Uh, it's it, it's a small step, but it's also a kind of a huge step. I mean, how many people are going to be at Devils games? How many people are going to be watching Devils games on TV, especially if they're good? Like, Hopefully, you know, some of these games are nationally broadcast. So you'll see a couple of these guys, a couple of these um, black owned businesses on ESPN or TNT broadcasts. That would be amazing to see. It's a really cool step for the NHL. And hopefully we'll see a lot more of it in the coming weeks, months and years. Another important piece of news on the sort of hockey culture front is Josh Vina Shah and Evan F. Moore have put out now officially Game Misconduct, which is their book about hockey's toxic culture and how to fix it. Um, I just got my copy, got hardcover that just came in the mail yesterday, and I look forward to digging into it and can't say enough about these people and what they do reporting on hockey reporting on the social issues within hockey and uh you know it's taken them a lot of courage to write this book i'm sure it's you know you write something like this in a sport that is as completely insular as hockey and you potentially close a lot of doors for yourself mm-hmm. and so evan's completely right to write something of this nature to put it out and sign your name to it is it's a very bold step. And I think that that step needs to be recognized for what it is. Um, if you don't follow these folks on Twitter, they're great Twitter feed uh, follows always um, with a lot of insight into the ways in which hockey culture negatively impacts peoples of color. And so read the book, buy it, digest it, enjoy it and support them. It's called game misconduct and you can probably get it wherever you want buy it from a small local bookstore and then our last piece of feel-good news hank is back henrik lundqvist he is uh signed with the rangers to be a tv analyst and was spotted on the street looking like he was in a fashion blog or a men's health magazine cover uh walking into his first day in the rangers just with his beautiful uh bespoke attire and just a great smile on his face and we're super happy that he's going to be in media and a part of our hockey lives for the foreseeable future. Yes, that is super cool. Evan misspoke because he didn't read the thing that I added to the script in my mind. Uh, (laughs) So apologies to him. Also watching the Red Wings broadcast for the, for the game against the bolts the other day, 
and Manon Riome is oh yeah is on the coverage team for the Red Wings now. It's weird that they have two goalies on their coverage <laughs> team now. Uh, she they joined, know how to read the game. Yeah, they join uh, Chris Osgood on their on their pregame and uh, intermission team. She apparently lives in the Detroit area. Does a lot of stuff with youth hockey in oh, the cool. area. And they asked her to be a part of their coverage team this year. This is awesome. I <laughs> I uh, saw a tweet uh, the other day and it was, holy fuck, that's Man on Rayom. <laughs> and yes, yes, it is. Uh, and they, uh, she was excellent, uh, had some really great insights into the game, spoke French with Mickey Redman. Oh, really? And uh, it was, it, it's so great to see these types of voices being heard in hockey, especially you know, seeing women in uh, in the men's game, which ultimately hopefully opens up more doors for women, both on TV, the game itself mm-hmm. and, you know, in upper management of these NHL teams. And so it, it's just really cool to see the Red Wings take that step. Yeah. The only curious thing is two goalies on a broadcast. I bet neither one of them could tell you what goalie interference actually is. To the uh, NHL. No one knows. <laughs> no one knows. It's like pass interference in the NFL. What is it? Uh, and well, depends on what day, minute, and hour you're on. And also if it's against the Lions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. One final note before we sign off here. Uh, this episode will be our 46th episode, and it will carry us over the 1,000 listen mark. We have hit that mark far faster than either Evan or I could have possibly imagined. Yeah, it's uh, been amazing. It's been an amazing ride so far, and I can't believe we're hitting a thousand listens after not even being putting out episodes for a year. So, yeah. so thank you, everybody. Like, and we say that every week. We really mean it. It's mm-hmm. awesome to like just see that number. It's like not. It's not a popularity contest on our. It just. It tells us that we're reaching people. Yeah. It's really nice to be able to share our weird, you know, uh, takes on hockey with everybody. And occasionally some people have like talked to me about the podcast that they listen to in person. Like that's super fun and really helps make this, you know, worthwhile. And thank you for coming on this, this adventure with us. And we hope it keeps taking us to really interesting places. Yeah. We've started to get real feedback from people who listen and that's also another thing that i never really anticipated (laughs) seeing and so thank you so much from from you know both of us for everything this is we enjoy it a lot and we want to keep doing it and you know if you're enjoying it that's awesome too so that's it for this week. Uh, if you want to interact with us, like a couple of our fans have thus far, uh, you can find us all over that stupid thing known as the internet at uh, handsomehockey.com is our website, handsome hockey podcast on Instagram at handsome hockey on Twitter or handsome hockey pod at gmail.com. If you want to email us, uh, if you are a late millennial and still use email, that's how you get to us. <laughs> And then finally, you can follow us on the Handsome Hockey Facebook page. And obviously, you're listening to us somewhere, but we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Red Circle, and YouTube. And that's that's our show for the week. Thank you. Uh, we should be back to a weekly podcast here with uh, brief intermissions from time to time when one of us is sick or you know decides to do something with their life. But otherwise, we are back to our full schedule and we are just thrilled to be here. So take care, everyone. Be safe, get vaccinated and stay handsome, everybody. Restez beau to Le Mans.